Pizza? Pizza? Pizza! Hungry for some pizza now? Yeah, that's what we thought. Get yours at Domino's Hawaii. We deliver aloha. The Mothership Podcast is sponsored by Hawaii Surrogacy Center. Start your family with Hawaii's leading surrogacy agency. He was caught, spent time in jail, and is now working to protect large corporations and everyday people from being a victim of cybercrime. Welcome to the podcast, Brett. Great to see you here. Hey, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, so you were a bad guy turned a good guy, and now you're, you're helping law enforcement catch the bad guys and protect us. It has been... Um... It has been a long trip. <laughs> yes, I was uh, the United States Secret Service. They referred to me as the original Internet Godfather. And the way I came by that title, 39 felonies placed on the United States Most Wanted list. I had an escape from prison. And if that weren't enough, I built and ran the first organized cybercrime community. It was called Shadow Crew. It was a precursor of today's darknet and darknet markets, laid the foundation for the way modern cybercrime channels operate today. The 39 felonies, well, they had to do with refining modern financial cybercrime as we now know it. So if Original Internet Godfather, also kind of the father of modern cybercrime as well. And nothing to be proud of at all. That stuff does land one in prison, deservedly so. And, um, you know, usually the story ends there. But I was very fortunate. I had um, the help of my sister, my wife, Michelle, and then finally the FBI. I was given the opportunity to turn my life around. I took it. And today I lead a blessed life that I probably don't deserve, but I am very grateful to have. Wow. So you are uh, literally armed with a wealth of knowledge. And, and we're so happy that you're able to share some of that with us here. For our listeners uh, tuning in, what is the most important thing that they should do right now to protect themselves? Thank you for coming out of the gate with that. So if you don't do anything else today, the first thing on your list should be freezing the credit of every single person in the house, including children. Children are the number one victims of identity theft. 25%, one in four, will be victims of ID theft before they become adults at age 18. So freeze the credit of every single person in the house. Credit freezes have been free since 2018. That's the number one thing how, how that do everyone you do that? needs to do. How do you do that? You have to contact all three credit bureaus, TransUnion, Experian, Equifax. You contact all three of them. You can do it online, and they're going to try to divert you and, and charge you for credit monitoring or credit alerts or something like that. Credit freezes are free, so do the credit freeze. And, and what that means is, is that no one can request your credit report without your specific permission. So criminal gets your identity, tries to open up new accounts in your names, can't do it. Can't do it at all. He fails completely at that point. If you want to open up a new account, the only thing you need to do is inform that credit bureau that say Ally or whatever institution is going to pull your credit. Yeah. At that point, the credit freeze lifts just for that specific institution. Institution pulls your credit report. Credit freeze goes back into place. 
So that's going to protect you from identity theft and, and financial as well? It will, it will protect you from all new account fraud. That's the number one key that you need to look at right there is, is freezing the credit. But now I understand that it only protects you from new account fraud. For children, that's outstanding. For adults, though, well, we've got existing accounts. We've got credit cards, we've got bank accounts, tax records, everything else. Because of that, the second thing you need to do is monitor all accounts and place alerts on those accounts where you can. For example, Discover Card has a $0 alert, meaning that if I go on the dark web, buy your Discover Card information for, say, $12, which is what they sell it for, you and I buy the card and just ping the card to see if it's alive, you get a text message saying, hey, someone's trying to steal your card. You can have it shut down. So the first thing is credit freeze. Second thing is monitor accounts, place alerts where you can. Third thing, and here's the tri this is the trifecta of personal security. The third thing is, and I'll ask this question, how many people out there use the same password and login across multiple websites? Yeah. That's a bad one. <laughs> That's a bad one. The answer is, since I can't see anyone raise their hands out there in La La Land, <laughs> the answer is 80% of every single person on the planet uses the same or similar logins across multiple websites. Because of that, it's very easy for me to come in and take over your account. So the answer to that right now is a password manager. I don't care which one you use. For example, Chrome's got one built in for Android. Apple's got one built into their devices. They're both free. Just use a password manager. So those three things, freeze credit, monitor accounts, place alerts, password manager. That's the big things you need to do. All right. Take action, people. All right. So what is, would you say, is the number one scam out there? And, and why are people falling for it so easily? Why are the criminals able to access and, and get a hold of maybe their money or, or their personal information? What's the number one scam out there? People so the number one online crime right now is account takeovers. Um Get a criminal, he comes in, he wants your tax records, he wants your credit card accounts, he wants your bank accounts, he wants maybe your retail merchant accounts, something like that. So an ATO, an account takeover, is the number one online crime that's happening right now. That can be a human that's doing that, that can be a bot that's doing that, just, just a little computer program that pings sites constantly trying to find vulnerabilities. That's the number one online crime. But when we're talking about scams, it's a little different. So a scam typically is a human being trying to defraud another human being. And, and what you have to realize is, is that for me, if I'm a criminal, for me to victimize you, for me to scam you or hustle you, defraud you, I have to get you to trust me. Unless I can establish some degree of trust there, there's no way that I'm going to trick you or get you to send me information, access, data, or cash. That's what all criminals are looking for. So the question is, is how is trust established online? And the answer is a combination of technology, tools, and social engineering. Technology, that's your cell phone, it's your laptop, it's your desktop computer. We inherently trust that technology. We don't understand it a lot, but we trust it. What we don't, what we don't really realize is that criminals use a variety of tools to manipulate that te not technology. So 
instead of seeing the phone number that they're calling from, you'll see the phone number of your financial institution or the sheriff's office or the IRS. They use SOX 5 proxies so that they may be physically located in Ghana, Nigeria, Florida, but they can make it appear that they're in New York, Hawaii, California, wherever they want to make it appear. That tends to lay a base level of trust, the technology and the tools. Once that base level of trust is established, a criminal comes in and we see how good of a con man or a liar or a social engineer that individual is in manipulating you into access, data, cash, something like that. Okay. The number one fraud right now, I am really big on talking about Zelle fraud. Uh, so think of it like this. And Zelle is a peer-to-peer -peer payment transfer system that is incorporated typically in your bank login. So you can use it, you can download an app to your phone, but most people use Zelle when they sign into their bank login online. It's got a little thing there that says send money, and that's the Zelle system that works. The problem with Zelle right now is that if I pay a scammer, mistakenly pay a scammer, using my credit card, I'm protected. I don't lose any money. But if I pay a, that same scammer through Zelle, I'm not protected. I don't get my money back at all. It's my fault is what the bank says at that point. So that's the number one reason you shouldn't use Zelle, but it goes a little bit deeper than that. You see what criminals are doing right now is they're going on the dark web because everyone's information is available. If you don't think your information is available, you're wrong. Everyone's information is available. Just last year, we had 2,570 reported breaches. Of those 2,500 breaches, 57 billion records compromised just last year. So everyone's information is available. I can go on the dark web. I can buy your social, your date of birth, your address history for $3.70. I can buy your background check for just a couple of dollars more. In fact, I can probably go and buy some of your financial information for whatever bank you're banking with. So I buy all of that data. What I do then is I send a text message to your phone pretending that I'm your financial institution. And the text message says something along the lines of, we're approving the wire transfer that you requested. If you didn't request it, press N. Well, you didn't request it, so you press N, you send it away. You immediately get a phone call that looks like it comes from your financial institution, but it's not. I'm spoofing a phone number. I'm calling from a completely different number, but it shows up on your caller ID as your financial institution. So it's a technology, it's a tool that I'm using to manipulate that technology. I get you on the phone and then what happens? Then I start quoting back your social security number, your date of birth, some of your financial information, some of your background history, which I've already purchased all of that on the dark web. That's enough right there for me to convince you that I am your financial institution. From there, what do I do? I act like I'm customer service. Well, yes, let me see. Uh, let me, you're sure you, you didn't request that wire transfer. Are you logged into your bank account right now? You're not. Well, let me see what's going on right there. So I act like I'm logging into it, get silent all of a sudden and say, you're sure you're not logged into it. Well, someone's logged into it right now. Are you, are you in California? Well, that's where the login's coming from. Well, I'll tell you what we need to do. We need to make sure that your money is safe. So what we're going to do is we're going to transfer your money to a temporary secure account while we clear out everything. What I need you to do is sign on to Zelle right now, send the money over to this temporary account, that way you're secure and we'll take care of you. Now, are you going to fall for a scam like that? Probably, probably, because at the end of the day, everyone can be scammed. It's just how much trust I have to establish with you to do that. 
So Zelle is a really big scam right now. Romance frauds, another really big scam right now. Um, you think about it, when I talk about the technology that helps establish trust, it's not just the hardware. It's also the software, the websites that we go to. We trust those websites to vet the other users that are there to make sure no scammers are enter entering that environment. What people don't, don't understand is that criminals steal identities. That's their tool in that case. They steal identities to come in and trick that website into thinking that there's someone that they're not. And then what happens? Well, then they just act like everyone else. They don't send message out, messages out immediately saying, hey, I saw your profile. I think you're really good looking. Why don't you send me your money? I'll love you the rest of my life. No, they don't do that. Instead, they send you a message like, hey, uh, saw your profile. I just thought I would say hello. Uh, how are you doing today? And they just start a very innocent conversation because this is a long-term scam. And as that time goes on, they build more rapport, they layer more trust, and they establish a relationship with you until finally it gets to the point where they're trying to get money from you by using some sort of excuse, what have you at that point. Those are the big scams right now. There's several other huge scams that are going on. But um, the thing is, is that what you need to remember is that online criminals, they're looking for information, access, data, or cash. One of those four things or a combination of those four things. So if you're contacted by email, by snail mail, physical mail in your mailbox, by a knock at the door, by a phone call, by a pop-up screen on your computer, by an email, by anything, anything at all, and that call is requesting something from you. It's an unsolicited request that you're receiving, no matter what the medium. If you're getting that, then you need to be on your guard, immediately on your guard. You need to make sure that because a criminal, what they're wanting to, you to do is they're wanting you to act emotionally, not logically. So you need to be able to step back, take a breath, count to 10, think things through. Does this make sense? Does it make sense that a financial institution or a government organization would want me to send them gift card information? Probably not. If you're not able to do that, and a lot of people aren't, then find you a friend, or better yet, find you an enemy, somebody who really dislikes you, call them up and say, hey, does this sound right to you? I promise you, they will tell you the truth at that point. No, it doesn't sound right. And there's a reason I don't like you to begin with. Don't call me again. So find a friend, find an enemy, find someone you can talk to. If you don't have anyone you can talk to, you've got organizations like AARP's Fraud Watch. They've got an 800 number. You can pick up the phone, call them and say, hey, this is what's happening. Have you heard of this before? And they know what they're talking about. They can walk you through it and how the scam works and protect you from being defrauded at that point. Right. Okay. So don't be naive. Take a step back. I like that. You got to think things through, uh, you know, listen to your gut feeling and not react emotionally right. and, and rashly. Um, you know, backing up, I you said that uh, everybody's, pretty much everyone's personal information is out there on the dark web for criminals to buy. How does it end up there in the first place? Oh, oh <laughs> the, the, the nightmare of data online. So what you have to remember, or if you don't, if you didn't know already, the internet was not invented with security in mind. It was invented as a communication medium, that it was that you were going to be able to communicate with people no matter what happened on the planet. Over time, 
commerce came in and you had privacy come in and data being exchanged and things like that, but it was never really invented with security in mind. And because of that, there's a lot of holes out there. Not only that, but there's a lot of companies, a lot of individuals that really don't have good cybersecurity hygiene. So they, that thing I mentioned earlier, they use the same passwords across multiple websites. Um, I can't tell you the number of breaches that have happened because of a password as simple as QWERTY123 or password123. Um, that's part of it. Um, another statistic that's really scary, right? Now, so here's some statistics for you, just to scare people to death. <laughs> 90% plus plus of every single attack uses known exploits. It's not these unknown vulnerabilities or zero day attacks. It's typically the stuff that we've been told about, warned about for years that we need to take care of, that we've not done anything about that causes a lot of these problems that are out there. 41% of every single router on the planet has the default password. That's your financial institution. That's you at the house. 41% of all the routers on the planet have the default password. Any idea what you can do with a router with a default password? <laughs> it ain't good. I'll tell you, it ain't good. 92%, 92% of every attack, of every breach begins with a phishing attack. So those are the statistics, the statistics that are out there that creates this threat landscape. So how does your information get out there? Well, you've got a company that doesn't that hasn't applied the update in time, or has the default password on a router, or they've uh, they're using the same password and sharing passwords, or they've not changed their password in three years, like Colonial Pipeline did when they were hit with ransomware uh, what, last year. So you've got all these issues that are a result of what I call poor cybersecurity hygiene, people not doing the things that they should do, that's very easy to do, opens the door for criminals to come in. Criminals typically are not sophisticated. They, they simply take advantage of the holes that are already out there. I see, I see. So it seems that it'll, it will likely happen to you <laughs> at one point or another. And if it does, uh, I recall um, hearing from the feds uh, before that time is of the essence. I mean, it, time is everything and you need to act quickly. What what should you do first? So you're right. It's not a question of if it's a question of when. If you've not been victimized yet, the only reason is, is there's so much information out there. There's just not enough criminals yet to get to you. But they're coming. Think of it as the worst lottery on the planet. Your number has just not been drawn yet, but it's coming. <laughs> so because of that, and I don't really care what the scam is, it's important to report to law enforcement as soon as you possibly can. For example, I was, uh, I was in San Diego a couple of weeks ago giving a presentation to a, um, to a payroll company. And one of the people there, they had been defrauded. They had sent uh, their payroll department had been defrauded for, to the tune of like eighty or ninety thousand dollars. Now, this, the the truth of the matter is, is that if a criminal steals that much money, if you notify the FBI within seventy two hours, they've got an eighty percent success rate of getting your money back. However, the longer you wait, 
the less chance that happens. So it's important to be timely, do it as fast as you possibly can. The problem is, is that a lot of victims, whether it be institutions, organizations, individuals, what have you, a lot of victims do not report to law enforcement. And there's a few reasons for that. If you think about it, a lot of media, a lot of security companies, a lot of family members and friends, a lot of everyone tends to blame the victims for the crimes which are perpetrated upon them. And, and you've heard the lines before. Why would you click on that link? Why would you send money to someone you don't even know? Who would believe gift cards? So we've heard this stuff before. But when you blame the victim for the crimes that are perpetrated upon them, what happens? That victim shuts down. That victim doesn't share information. That victim is scared of being embarrassed, so they don't report anything. We've got to get past blaming the victims for the crimes that are perpetrated upon them. The only person, the only person who is responsible for crime is the criminal. I know I used to be one. <laughs> I can tell you I was the only person responsible for that. It was an active choice on my part every single step of the way. The victim is, I don't care what the victim does or doesn't do, the victim is never responsible for being victimized. We've got to get past that. Um, what I would say to anyone out there listening, if you've got a family member that's a victim of romance scams or Zelle fraud, or maybe they pick, they clicked on a phishing link or they signed up for a, um, internet repair or computer repair service or whatever that is, whatever they're being scammed by, it's important that you understand that anyone and everyone can be scammed. There's not a single person that can't be scammed. Me, I was I, I got had four times in one in one year. Four times. So if I can be defrauded, I promise you, you all can. Remember that when you're talking to your friends, associates, associates, or family members that may be in the middle of being defrauded. Don't don't come down condescending. It's important to understand that could be you right there. So talk to them, try to understand what's going on and try to help them. Don't, don't, don't play the game of, oh, I, I would have never done that. No, don't do that because it's important that that victim is able to talk to and rely on that support group of friends, family members, and associates that they've historically had. Now, I've heard of some protections, um, you know, in you know, credit card agencies, but when it comes to banks and if your money is stolen there, are there protections there for people? So for credit cards and debit cards, there are protections in place. For a lot of banking accounts, it just depends on what the fraud is and how that attacker got access to that account. Did the attacker come in and take over your account? If the attacker did that, yes, yes, you've got protections in place. However, if the attacker simply scammed you into sending them money, it's a different animal altogether. Typically, you may not have those protections in place. So it's important, you know, what I like to say, don't send money to someone you don't know. Now, how do you, what does that, that gauge look like where I determine if I know someone or not? Here's how I know someone. If they have been in my house, if they have used my bathroom, and if I have had to use air freshener after they left. I know that person better yet if I've been in their bathroom and they've had to use air freshener after I've left. I know that individual. You don't know someone that you've simply met online. That is not a friend. That's really not even an associate. That's just 
a name that's out there in the internet space someplace, make sure you know the person that you, you've broken bread with them. You've sat down and, and physically talked with these people before. You know where to find them if you need to. If you don't know that and you're you're sending money or giving information or access or data to someone, especially money, if you're if you're about to send money to someone for a service, for a charity, because it's some sort of dating site or what have you, always use a payment instrument where you are protected. Credit cards, debit cards have protection too, but it takes longer to get your money back on that. Uh, always use a payment service where you have protections in place. Do not use a payment service where you do not have those protections. For example, Venmo or PayPal's uh, friends and family, Zelle, things like that. You don't have protections in place. Only use those services to send money to people who you actually know. By the way, how safe is Venmo? Because it's really popular these days. You know, I know I know the PayPal security team. I've worked with them. I've talked with them. Uh, I like PayPal. But the, the problem is, and, and for those who don't know, PayPal owns Venmo. Uh, I like PayPal a great deal. I think they do a fantastic job. The problem is, is that you've got millions of criminals out there. And while PayPal stops a, a vast majority of the fraud, you still get scammers and criminals coming into that environment and they can be successful. Because of that, you always need to be aware of your environment. You know, the thing is, <laughs> here's the thing. In our physical lives, we are very good about knowing when we're in a bad neighborhood. You know, we take a wrong turn down a street, we look around and we're like, probably not good. So we, we've got that awareness in our physical world. We need that same type of awareness in our online lives. We need to understand that in any environment, there are predators that lurk. There are people who are trying to take advantage of you. If you know that, your situational awareness online will raise and the chances of you de being defrauded will decrease at that point. So Brett, as you know, I work in the local news here in Hawaii and it's pretty rare that we do stories where you know the FBI comes out or local law enforcement saying that they've caught the criminal, the cyber criminal, it's right. really rare. And I would like to know, and I'm sure a lot of listeners, I mean, are we winning this battle against them or, or are we really not? I mean, is it just being, we're being outsmarted every single time? Are they being held accountable at all or are they always getting away with it? Well, the problem is, is that you've got millions of online criminals spread across the world, all across the planet. The, the issue is take the FBI, for example. The Federal Bureau of Investigation has 37,000 FBI field agents spread across 56 field offices in the 50 states. Of those 37,000 agents, only about 200 of them are concentrated on cybercrime. And of those 200, a lot of those talk about nation state attacks and things like that. When you're only a, a force of 200 people that's trying to defeat millions of others, that's a problem. Then you add in jurisdictional issues. For example, cyber criminals in Russia and a lot of the Ukraine, they don't get extradited to the United States or these Western countries that would prosecute them. So they have free reign to commit any crimes that they want to. These types of issues that are out there really tell criminals that, hey, we're able to get by with a lot of stuff. And the truth of the matter is, as much as I hate to say it, one of the biggest lies that's ever been told is that crime doesn't pay. Crime does pay. If it didn't, you wouldn't have millions of criminals out there breaking the law. Crime absolutely pays. The, 
you can't always rely on law enforcement to solve those issues. You also need to take a proactive response to your security. You need to make sure that you have that situational awareness that's up there. You need to make sure that you're, you're doing the things that you need to do to protect yourself as well. Primarily the credit freeze, monitor accounts, place alerts, password manager. You can do multi-factor authentication. Think of, uh, think of your life both online and the physical world, and you need a toolbox, a security toolbox. And in the toolbox, you have a variety of tools with which to protect yourself from being attacked. It's a layered approach to security. It's not just one tool. It's several different tools. That way you can defeat any types of attacks that are coming in because a criminal has that same toolbox with different tools he'll use to attack you. So you need a defense toolbox as well. Um, are we winning the war? What I would say is that law enforcement does an outstanding job. I have a lot of respect for law enforcement and the work that they do. They do an outstanding job. We have over 7,500 security companies as well that work about protecting us from online criminals, and they do a very good job as well. Uh, we need regulation. We need proper informed regulation, and that's I think that's one of the areas that we're trailing behind right now because a lot of the people in Washington, they simply don't understand the online environment or cryptocurrency or anything else. And they're trying to come up with regulations to protect our privacy and our accounts and things like that. And it's, it's falling behind a little bit. But uh, you put all those things together. And once we get everything ironed out, I think that we do. Well, I, I don't think you can stop all fraud. I think you can stop, to, stop a vast amount of it. So there will be a day... When there will be no cybercrime? No, 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 no. There will always be. There will, there will always, always be. Always be cybercrime. There will always be crime. You know. Wow. Okay. Think, think of it. If you're a, if you're a reader of the Bible, you know Genesis has that first main crime in there. So there's always been crime. We're always going to have it, but that that doesn't mean that you have to be a victim of it. Uh, there are things you can do to protect yourself and minimize the likelihood of you being victimized. We need more good guys like you, Brad Johnson. <laughs> well, I wasn't always a good guy, but I'm I'm really happy to be on this side of the fence now. Yeah. All right. Well, for our listeners, uh, do you provide uh, tips often online? Or I see in the back there, you, you have the Brett Johnson show. I mean, can you tell us a little bit more about how, how folks out there can maybe follow you for more uh, tips, helpful information? Sure. You can come to my website, www.anglerfish, A-N-G-L-E-R-P as in Paul, H-I-S-H.com, www.anglerfish.com. You can find me on LinkedIn under Brett Johnson, or you can check out YouTube, The Brett Johnson Show, where I talk about cybersecurity, I talk about my life, and I talk about anything I might be angry about that specific week. So, And not only that, but hey, here's the thing. If, you, if I can help you in any way, I will. Uh, so don't be afraid to contact me. You may have to chase me down because I've got, I talk to a lot of people, but um, feel free to reach out to me. I'll help you as much as I possibly can. And I mean that. A lasting quote, something meaningful that you want to leave to have resonate in our listeners' minds. Sure. I will, I will give the quote that I end my show with every single week. Stay safe, stay secure, Stay vigilant, and at the end of the day, just do the right damn thing. Ooh, I like that a lot. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right, everybody. <laughs> Thanks so much, Brett Johnson, for joining us. And to all the listeners out there, we'll see you next week for another episode of Mothership. Yes, we got a